Well, this is the last uh, week of The Matrix, and we've said this each week, but The Matrix of the World says life's all about you. It says, don't worry about anybody else, just you do you. And that matrix that the world lives by leads to division, self-centeredness, emptiness, bondage. And I think the sad thing is that they don't even realize they're living in bondage. You know, the matrix, it's part of Satan's plan. Says Jesus said this, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you might have life, life in all of its fullness. See, Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to give us a life that's abundant, that's full. And he came to usher in the new Zion, which is the church. It's God's design for bringing heaven to earth. And so Christ followers, and this has been the challenge throughout this series, is we need to wake up and resist the matrix of this world. You know, we are, we are called by God to establish a new community. We're called by God to live by a God-given code. And that code, it will result in us treating each other the way that God's treated us. It's a code that I believe keeps us on course. It compels us to love one another and love the people around us. It's a code that that calls us to forgive one another and to accept one another and to carry one another's burdens and encourage one another. And today's topic, and I saved it to the end because I think today's topic perhaps is the most challenging of all the things that we've talked about. And so just grab a hold of your seats, all right? Here we go. Paul writes, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, I think we struggle with that idea of submitting. You know, that that idea of submission in life is just a concept that's difficult to to deal with. I've seen that throughout, throughout my life. Sometimes when I meet with a couple and we're talking about the wedding ceremony, I couldn't even tell you how many times I've been asked, they'll go, is the word submit in the service anywhere? And is it in the vows? And there's this tremendous concern about the word submit. And it, and it almost uh, kind of evokes a knee-jerk reaction to it. Uh, I heard someone say one time, they said, there are three things that a bride sees uh, as she's preparing to walk down the aisle. She sees the aisle, the altar, and him. And what happens, it becomes a mantra for, for the marriage, I'll alter him. <laughs> I'm here every Sunday. <laughs> we struggle with the idea of submission, don't we? 
And it's not just in marriage. I mean, we, we struggle with it in our schools, in the workplace, and in life in general, don't we? I mean, you see it, this, this struggle in us with something as simple as a highway yield sign, which very simply stated, if you have the yield sign, you're to what? You're to yield. But our contemporary society, this evolved society, yield, it's been redefined. It means speed up, beat them to the punch, me first. And so this idea of of yielding, it goes against the grain. I mean, especially in a culture that has adopted this meistic mentality in life. Here, watch this clip. This is from The Matrix. Just watch this. You have a problem with authority, Mr. Anderson. You believe that you are special, that somehow the rules do not apply to you. Obviously, you are mistaken. This company is one of the top software companies in the world because every single employee understands that they are part of a whole. Thus, if an employee has a problem, the company has a problem. The time has come to make a choice, Mr. Anderson. Either you choose to be at your desk on time from this day forth, or you choose to find yourself another job. Do I make myself clear? Yes, Mr. Reinhardt. Submission, it is something that all of us struggle with to some degree. And in all honesty, most are not even the slightest bit interested in it in their lives. Christ followers, church, we are called by God to submit to one another. We're called by God to yield to one another. You know, basically, somebody else's stuff and thing is to be more important than your thing. You know, our our mentality is to be that others are more important. Think about that for a moment. See, here's the problem with that. I don't want to do that. Do you? I don't like that. Submitting is at odds with my selfish nature in life. I do not want to put you before me. And I do not blame you for not wanting to submit either. Because I don't want to either, you know? I just don't. I mean, after all, I mean, I, I think we fear, well, somebody might take advantage of me. You know, somebody, somehow I might get walked on in this process. It might be a one-way street with that person. You know, if I'm going to submit to someone, I'm going to take a look at who they are. I'm going to take a look at their character, their leadership, their ethics, their, their decision-making ability. And I'm going to do some assessing. And after su- assessing who they are, I might, I might submit. Or I might come to the conclusion 
they are not worthy of me submitting to. And in which case, Houston, we have a problem here. I mean, don't we? Submit to one another. I mean, there's a lot at stake here. And it's a little bit like the story of the ship's captain. One dark night, could see a light off in the distance. He told his signalman, he said, send, I want you to send a message for me. Alter your course 10 degrees to the south. The message was received. The return message came. Alter your course 10 degrees to the north. Captain's just livid. I mean, he's angry. And so he sends a second message. And he says, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. I am a captain in the United States Navy. He gets a return message. says, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. I'm a third-class petty officer. Now the captain, I mean, he's stomping mad. He sends a third message. He says, Alter your course 10 degrees to the south. I am a battleship. He receives a reply. Alter your course 10 degrees to the north. I am a lighthouse. (laughs) Here every Sunday. (laughs) Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, Paul knew that we would resist this. And in a real way, Paul's going to challenge us and say, you have a problem with authority. You believe that you're special, that somehow the code doesn't apply to you. But obviously, you are mistaken. Christ followers Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, Paul doesn't seem to be really concerned about the issues that are involved here. You know, see, the motivation is not based on whether the person is worthy. The motivation is based on our reverence for Jesus Christ. See, it all comes back to the code every time. And it is imperative that we grasp the code. You know, we grasp the the basis for this code in our life. Our behavior toward one another is governed by the way that God has treated us. Not by the way you think others deserve to be treated, And so here's the question for the day. What does our reverence for Jesus Christ have to do with the way that we treat each other? Let me ask you this. How many of you have a reverence for God and a reverence for Jesus? See, I, I think most of us, if not all of us, would go, well, I'm good on this one. Right? I mean, I, I, I don't take the Lord's name in vain. I, I don't tell certain kinds of jokes. I, I don't put anything on my Bible on top of it. You know, I treat it with reverence. I, I mean, I could give you all kinds of examples of how I show reverence and respect for God. And then God says, look at the way 
you treat each other. Well, that, what's that have to do with anything? I mean, uh, okay, sure, sure. I, uh, I, I stumble sometimes as a spouse. I may not always respect my parents the way I should. I mean, I, I'm not the best employee sometimes. Sure, I've, I've got a few problems, but I don't have a problem showing reverence for God in my life. And God would say, oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Christ follows. We are the body of Jesus Christ, the church. We are bound together in Jesus Christ. And the way that we treat each other is connected to our reverence for Jesus Christ. How I treat God and how I treat others. They're interwound. This is a a difficult topic. It's a challenging scripture. Because it, it strikes at the core of our human nature. It strikes at the core of our selfishness in in life. See, the idea of putting you before me, putting your needs before mine, does not come easy. Christ followers, church, faith fellowship, we are called, we are called by God to submit to one another. Part of the code. And I know this isn't trending. This isn't the kind of thing that you see on social media posts, bumper stickers. Haven't seen a t-shirt with it. We tend to see that command as outdated, old-fashioned, not for me. Paul writes, he says, do nothing for selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourself. Look, each of you, not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Now, I want you to understand, Paul is not, he's not saying other people are better than you, all right? But Paul is saying as you look at that person to your left or to your right, that as you are, look around you, the person sitting behind you or in front of you, as you look at that person that you serve with on a ministry team, as, as you look and pay attention to the people around you, you're, you are to view them as more important. You are to treat them better than you would treat yourself. And friends, when you begin to consider others better than yourself, it makes a huge difference in your relationships with each other and with God. I I want you to think, think about someone that you respect, you highly respect. You know, maybe it's a business leader, politician, a teacher, a mentor, an entertainer, a sports star. Just think of someone. And if that person were sitting next to you today, would you treat them different? I mean, would you be extra kind to them? 
extra considerate to them? I mean, would you, would you let them go first? You know, would you, would you make sure that, that they met a few people today? Would you knock yourself out making sure that they were cared for in every way possible? See, there's something, there's something in you that you feel like they're just a little bit more important, right? See, I, I think uh, Franklin Graham is an amazing person. I mean, for a lot of reasons, I, w- I would lift him up. If he were here today, I would do everything in my power to make sure that he felt welcome, cared for. I, I would put him first. I would defer to him. It's a, it's a respect issue. Paul says, treat other people just like you would treat that person that you consider more important. They're not really more important, all right? But you treat them that way. I want you to imagine what that kind of mentality, what kind of effect it would have like in your home if you did that. It would, it would change your home, wouldn't it? It would change the office environment. It would change the dynamics at the club or at the school or in the church. I mean, imagine how it would transform everything in your life. Treat others as more important. I mean, why, why would we do such a thing? Paul, Paul gives us a very powerful reason for doing it. Paul writes this. He says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. In other words, this has been done before. Jesus showed us how to do it. Who, Though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Hmm. Think about it. So Jesus leaves heaven. Everything's perfect up there. And he comes down to this earth. Jesus is God in the flesh. And Jesus never pulled rank on anybody. He set his personal comforts aside to fulfill God's calling for him. I mean, think about it. At any point... Jesus could have said, enough's enough, I'm done. done. I created the world, and I am not going to be treated like this. I mean, Jesus could have done that at any point. He could have said, I'm God in the flesh. I'm out. But he didn't do that. He laid aside his rank for the sake of something much, much greater in life. You know, Paul uh, continues, he says, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. You know, Jesus, Jesus took all of his rights and he laid them aside. And that, that passage is a little jarring. He, he became a slave. I think Paul wants us to get this. You know, he becomes a servant. You know, he gives everything up. Jesus, what are you here for? 
I'm here to serve. Jesus had every right to be served. Jesus had every right to demand anything he wanted. But Jesus sets it aside. He becomes a servant. He's, he's about healing people and helping people and feeding people. Even find Jesus washing people's feet. He had all the power in the world. How does he use it? He serves people. Jesus didn't, like, turn stones into gold. You never find Jesus doing anything selfish or, or conceited in his life. He serves others. Why? Because he had a mission, and he knew his purpose in this life. I mean, how far would he go with it? Well, Paul tells us he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. And, it, and it, what kind of death? Even death on the cross. That's how far he goes. It, it's staggering to me. You know, Jesus deserves all the respect and all the honor, and Jesus just puts it on hold. He says, no, that's not what I'm here for. He subjects himself to Roman authority, to the Jewish authority. He allows himself to be crucified on a cross. Why, why would Jesus do that? Because he wanted a relationship with you and I. Wanted a relationship with every single person. Friends, I think if that understanding was to ever get in our heads and then our hearts, it would transform the way we live our lives. All of a sudden, it'd be God-given values, God-given priorities. We'd actually follow a God-given code in how we live. Jesus prioritized. He became a servant, slave. Jesus would become a sacrifice. Jesus would say, you know, the sin problem, it's going to take priority over getting what is rightfully mine. See, he deferred it. Deferred his rights, deferred his rank, deferred the respect. That was not Jesus' agenda. Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. It changes the value that you place on the people sitting around you. It changes the the value of the person that, that you work with or go to school with in your life. It changes the value of the person in your neighborhood, your spouse, your children, your parents. Friends, there is a lot at stake here, a lot at stake. Christ followers, church, they, whoever they are in your life, are of incredible value. Since Jesus laid everything aside and became a servant, 
See, he showed us a way. I mean, who are we that we get off demanding our way, our rights, my rank, my recognition at the expense of a relationship with someone else? When we submit ourselves to one another, we show reverence for our Savior. It is a God-given design. You know, after the humiliation of Jesus dying on the cross, we know Jesus walked out of the grave, didn't he? Jesus, Jesus was victorious. And what Paul would tell us next, it's kind of mind-blowing in that context. It says, therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Has every knee bowed and every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord? Has it? No. It hasn't. Don't miss this. You got to get this. Even today, Jesus, our Savior, continues to forego the glory, the honor, the respect that's absolutely 100% due to him. Do you know why? Because he wants everyone to choose to glorify him, to connect with him, to bow a knee and make him Savior and Lord. But the the Bible tells us that one day Jesus is going to return, and he will return in all his glory. And in that day when when it happens, believers, unbelievers, Christians, pagans, atheists, it does not matter who you are. Every single person on this planet will drop a knee and they will acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. It is going to be so evident. It will be so obvious. And finally, Jesus will receive all the glory, all the credit, all the respect that was due to him. You know, almost every uh, day, I sacrifice relationships for the sake of getting my way. I wish that wasn't so. But at the end of the day, I can see those things. You know, hurt people's feelings. I, I can very easily develop a mentality. Just deal with it. I mean, sure, I I try and be a nice guy. But if I am not careful, I become the center of my universe. Jesus, on the other hand, because of his love, because of his concern, his compassion for everyone, Jesus deferred every single time. 
He's still deferring. When I submit to you, whether you deserve it or not, when I submit to you, I show reverence for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul says, what's he say? Say it with me. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Every time I speak on this topic, I always have a lot of people come catch me. and they, th- This is the question I get asked. Well, how far do we go with this? And I always give the same answer. You go as far as you possibly can. And when you reach your limit, well, you talk to God about it then. You work it out with him. If you're going to err, you err on the side of submission. Not selfishness. You submit. You err on the side of standing at the door a bit too long and saying, no, you go first. I'll create a log jam today at the door. No, you, no, you, no, you. You err on the side of giving up your spot. Letting somebody else go in line ahead of you. You defer. You err on the side of letting them have their way. See, we err on the side of submission. Now, I know some of you are not Christ followers yet. I mean, you've been moving in that direction, but you haven't taken the step. You've been attending Faith Fellowship for a while, maybe asking a lot of questions, seeking God. And that's a great thing. Now, some of you are reading your Bible and you're praying. You're connecting with a few other Christ followers in your life. Spell it for me, Louis. But I'll say this as kindly as I can. Some of you are stalled. I mean, some of you just need to take the step and make Jesus your Savior and Lord. You're not going to figure it all out ahead of time. You just got to take it. I mean, how do you do that? Well, it's, it's really pretty simple. It's putting your trust and faith in Jesus. You don't have to understand everything. It's believing Jesus died on the cross and paid the price for your sins. And because of that, you can now have a relationship with, with God. Your, your goodness, your goodness is not the issue. It never has been the issue. You are saved by faith. Not, not because you do a lot of good things. Not because you're a good person. Quit putting it off. Friends, at any moment, Jesus may stand up in heaven and go, time's up. I'm coming back. But right now, Jesus is waiting. Friends, I'd, I'd be glad to talk to you after the service, you know pray with you. We're going to have prayer teams down front after the service. You just come down and say, I want Christ as my Savior, but take that step. 
But Christ followers, church, we are to forgive one another. We are to accept one another and care for one another and encourage one another and submit to one another. You know, defer. Why? Because we love one another. And I believe we can do that. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's possible. I mean, we could do that. If we remember one thing, remember what God has done for you and for me. Remember what God's done for us. It'll drive the code in how we live and connect with one another. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we praise you. And God, I pray that... uh, Lord, we'd defer those moments when uh, well, we just kind of want to put the brakes on, want to demand whatever it is, Lord, that we just take a step back and go, no, you go first. You're more important. God, help us to change the world with that mentality. God, I thank you that Jesus gave us an example. God, I pray that we would live, just live it out in our lives. May your Holy Spirit tap us those times when there's something in us that doesn't want to forgive, that doesn't want to encourage, that God, you would just... uh, Step into us. It's your Holy Spirit, those moments when we don't want to accept someone or want to push someone aside, that God, you're, you would just press us to be who you've called us to be, God. May this church be a light in the world. I mean, this world's broken, Lord. May we show a better way godly way. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for every opportunity you placed before us. May the words of our mouth be sweet in your ears. We give you the glory this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And God's people said, well, we'll prepare for communion at this time. beautiful song and while they play we're going to ask you to prayerfully meditate over the cup and the wafer i'm going to step off the stage and do the same thing the wafer representing the body of jesus the cup representing the blood of jesus and throughout the song at any time that the holy spirit leads you we would have you instead of together as we normally do Go on and partake of communion. 
this personal time with you and the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then remain seated to the conclusion of the song. I will step back out and pray and dismiss you. Amen? Amen.